but it's the most fatal of mental disorders, eating disorders. You are not alone. You are not a bad parent. You did not do this to your kid. There is help out there. (laughs) It will make you a stronger person. Like I right now feel so confident in how I'm caring for my child. I'm, I'm even more confident in my child now that you'll get there. You will get there. It's, it's a long, hard road, but you can do it. You are, you are stronger than the eating disorder. Hey friend, my name is Tanya Valentine and I'm a mama of three registered nurse turned certified life coach and entrepreneur. And I'm so excited to welcome you to the Momentum Podcast a weekly podcast where we bypass the small talk and get right into the real struggles moms face every day. From bedtime battles to feeling like no matter what we do, it's never enough. Think of this as your mom support group in the form of a podcast. Each week, we introduce new ways of thinking and actionable tools you can implement to bring more ease, peace, and joy in your home. Go from treading water to finding your flow in motherhood. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Today I am talking with someone who is near and dear to my heart. It is my cousin Lindsay. You guys are going to love her. She is a multi talented, multi passionate entrepreneur. She is also a mom of two amazing children, and she has a background in graphic design and phlebotomy. She was a phlebotomist for the past 15 years and left to pursue her passion in painting murals. And today she is going to share, uh, boldly share with us what it has been like to parent and support a child with an eating disorder. I should first preface this talk by saying that nothing discussed on this podcast is meant to replace medical advice. And if you think you or your child might be suffering with an eating disorder, please seek out help from a medical professional. There are lots of resources these days, some of which we will discuss on today's episode. And even if you are not dealing with this on a personal level right now, please listen to this with an open mind and ready to expand your perception. Eating disorders are serious. In my research for the prevalence of eating disorders among teenagers, I found some conflicting information. I was reading from the National Institute of Mental Health, the prevalence of eating disorders among adults to be anywhere from 0.3% for bulimia to 0.6% for anorexia, which I personally find hard to believe. That sounded much lower than I had expected, and I suspect that much of that is underreported. But what is true is eating disorders can be fatal, for sure have a negative impact on mental health. And without further ado, let's go ahead and start the conversation with Lindsay. Okay, Hello. On the podcast today. Hello, hello. Um, Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Um, so we're going to go ahead and jump right in, um, and I just want to ask you to share your personal experience and journey in recognizing and addressing mm-hmm. your child's eating disorder. Yeah, so um, for my daughter, Ruby, she's 13, um, but I would say, you know, when we first started to notice it, this was last year, last school year, she really started having issues with 
um, with eating, um, you know, it was constantly going to the nurse's office with a, a belly ache, and we thought, okay, maybe it's like indigestion, maybe it's heartburn. Um, and the school nurse had kind of said, you know, like some of the teachers have noticed that, you know, she may not be eating lunch or whatever. Um, and I really didn't see like the whole eating disorder thing. I, she, you know, she would always eat, always eat breakfast. She was eating snacks when she got home, she was eating dinner. Um, and I mean, she's always been a pretty picky eater. Um, so I just thought, oh, it's just Ruby being Ruby. Like she doesn't like the school lunches or, you know, maybe yeah. she didn't like what I packed, but, um, but, you know, throughout the school year, like the whole baggy clothes thing is in right now. So I never yeah. noticed the, the weight drop, um, until about, um, the springtime she was getting ready for like the father daughter dance, put on her dress. And it was just like, Oh my God, like what happened to you? Um, mm -hmm. that's where I noticed the weight drop me seeing her collarbones and even just like her color. And looking back now, I'm like, Oh my God, like the signs were there. Like the, it's, it's hard when they're, you know, they're teenage years and you get that teenage attitude, that teenage angst. And you're just like, okay, like, here we go. Like normal teenage behavior. But I think a lot of it looking back now was the lack of calories and food in her system. I think that played a huge part in her, her, um, just behavior and her, you know, being irritable and stuff, um, which I, yeah. I'm sure the teenage part plays into it, but, but probably just, um, you know, magnified it by not getting all those or restrict, she was restricting essentially. So, um, okay. you know, she had started seeing a therapist just for general anxiety that year. Um, I want to say she started in November. Um, and, we had started virtually, which um, I would say to anybody, I mean, it, virtual could probably work for some people. It wasn't ideal for us. So eventually we switched to in-person, which I think made a huge difference. But um, she had voiced to her therapist that she had an eating disorder. Like she had looked on her phone and was looking up all these things. And um, I kind of just viewed it as her looking for attention, which I kind of kicked myself now, but my, my daughter's also always been very dramatic and it almost seemed like attention seeking. So I, I, I didn't want to invalidate her feelings, but I also didn't want to like give in to like, okay, like, so it was, it was like treading lightly and, you know, I talked to her therapist about it and then, um, yeah, like going back to the, the springtime and noticing it, I was like, oh, okay. Like this is a real thing. Like, um, and spoke to her therapist about it and she goes, you know, it might, it might be something where you want to get a dietitian on board. Um, or even get her into what they call partial hospitalization programs. Um, essentially what those are is like a day program where um, it, it's like going to school. They go, they, mm -hmm. they feed them the meals. Um, they'll, you know, do different group therapy sessions, different types of therapy. Um, and they're, they're all day. And um, I kind of was like, Ugh, you know, going back and forth. Um, I ended up taking her to her pediatrician. Um, and they weighed her and, you know, she had dropped some significant weight, probably around like 18 pounds or so. Mm -hmm. And it was funny, the, the pediatrician, I had brought up partial hospitalization and he kind of was like, oh, well, let's just see how things go. And I was like, I think we're kind of 
far beyond where things go. Like I think go time. And she happened to see a dietitian um, like that same week. And she did an evaluation with her and was like, Nope, PHP, that's, that's where you need to go. So um, I had a few. And what's that? Oh, partial hospitalization. The partial hospitalization. Yeah. And luckily I had a friend who's um, uh, a therapist and I kind of reached out to her. What are some good resources? Because uh, I live in New Hampshire, so the the there's really not much around me for resources, which mm. you know really sucks. And it's kind of shocking. You think this is something so prevalent, especially in young girls or teenage girls, um, even boys too. I mean, the, like, yeah, you think eating disorder. I think a lot of people think, oh, girls. Like, no, it happens in boys too, which is another like shocking thing to hear. But, anyways, um, so. Walden is the place that we ended up with. Um, I know they're, they're all over the country and they've been fantastic. Um, and so I contacted them. They were pretty quick to get back and, um, assess her and, um, they, they were right on board with, yep, she needs to attend the partial hospitalization program. And, um, that's kind of what we've been doing for the past five or six weeks. And, um, yeah, so that's where we are right now. Um, you know, very, and very emotional for everyone I can involved. imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's I can imagine. And, you know, you, you have that guilt of, oh, my God, like, why didn't I jump on this sooner? Why did I not believe her or not take this as seriously? Um, but you know, you got to get over that and just focus on Right. Yeah. Cause that's not, it's just not, all right. We're, it's not we've, yeah, it's not helpful. Like going back in time, you're not going backwards, you're going forward. So let's focus on what we need to do right now and, you know, make those goals and, and try and get to them as best we can. So. Right. But, absolutely. Um, and yeah. for everybody, the people listening, can we just, you've, already kind of brought up what some of the early signs were that something might be wrong but can we just go over those again like you said she was having stomach issues like going to the nurse a lot the teachers expressing their concerns yep um I so like I said Ruby's always been a really particular eater (laughs) Mm. um and that's not unusual (laughs) for like kids to be picky eaters though so like what do you think yeah she um, would be a red flag for somebody else who might have a daughter or son who's a picky eater um but just something that's a red flag outside of I'd say there are always signs of disordered eating which is kind of where I think it started is her being picky and, and it just kind of morphed into, um, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I, she was calorie counting and, you know, Mm. she, she'd be okay with certain foods. Um, actually what this is, is something to watch out for. Um, she was weighing herself and doing body checks in the mirror and she admitted to me that based on, she had this number in her head that she wanted to be at and she would, weigh herself and that would determine how much she would eat that day. So, um, 
if you find yourself in that situation, throw out the scale. In fact, just throw out your scale anyways, mm-hmm. <laughs> or hide it from okay. your kids. Like if you, you know, hide the scale, the number does not matter. Um, obviously it's just used as a tool to kind of guide where, where you are, but it, that number does not matter. Um, okay. But yeah, definitely like starting out with the disorganized eating or disordered eating, she'd only eat certain things. And um, I'd say if if you have any inkling, any concern, go to your pediatrician, Um, Mm -hmm. have, you know, even speak to a dietitian. That's a great way to start because they do these really lengthy evaluations that kind of gives you an insight of where your kid's at and what's going to be the best route for your child or for, for yourself. Yeah. I like what you said there. Like basically like what I heard was listening to your intuition and also For I sure. noticed, yep. you, yeah, you mentioned that you brought her to the pediatrician though. And the pediatrician was like, eh, let's wait it out essentially. But I like that you listened to your intuition. Like you knew in your heart, something was not right. And you yeah, went and, and sought further help. Yeah, and not to discount pediatricians. Um, no, know, but they're not seeing the larger are, picture. You're <laughs> right. That's that's not their specialty. So if you are feeling like, oh, like that's not, I'm I'm not feeling good about this. Like, definitely um, reach out to other providers, other um, clinicians. Um, and even your pediatrician will have great resources. They they gave me awesome list of dietitians, of therapists, um, of you know eating disorder centers uh, like Walden. Okay. Um, so there, don't don't discount the pediatrician. But yeah, like you said, listen listen to your gut because okay. I definitely think if we had waited any longer, we would have been in a worse off situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Luckily, I think we kind of caught it in the early stages um, where we could kind of get her out of, like we caught it early enough to get her into somewhere where we could nip this in the bud and then get her back on track. Um, yeah. So, yeah. My next question for you is how did you approach the conversation with Ruby when you suspected she had an eating disorder? Like, I know she already had been seeing a therapist and you said that the teachers had confronted you, but how did you, do you remember like what that first conversation was like with her? Um, so Ruby's kind of always been an open book as well. And she was the one that actually brought it up to her therapist saying that she think she has an eating disorder or she would you know self-diagnose I have an eating disorder um okay. so um but I think the moment that like I said the moment I was like okay this this definitely is something is when when I saw her in that dress and saw those collar saw her collarbones and um there is that waiting period of trying to get you know the right providers the right care for her so while we were waiting for that, there was another incident where she had to put on a bathing suit. We were going to a water park and again, just seeing her hip bones and she, Mm. 
she was excited to go, but then putting on that bathing suit was very triggering, obviously. Um, and she, she was like, I'm fat, I'm fat. And I was, I just freaked out and I was like, Oh my God, we can't do this. Like you are, you have a problem. And I immediately called the pediatrician and got her in and got her seen that day. Cause I was like, this, this is just absolutely wild. Yeah. Um, and I think just going to those, the dietitian, the pediatrician doing the assessment with the eating disorder center that I think was a big wake up call for her because in a way it almost felt like she wanted to have something wrong with her, you mm-hmm. know? And so yeah. now that we were actually going to be doing something about it was almost like jarring to her like oh shit this is real you know and and I even had that moment like oh shit this is real and yeah um and just man oh man the tension at at dinner time you know it just caused a lot of tension in the family um a lot of yelling a lot of tears just every Uh. meal was so exhausting and both emotionally and you know just I can imagine her suffer and staring at that food yeah and it's not like you can't force feed your child you can't force feed anyone yeah so and you know those moments and you're just happy if she takes a bite like there were times where she we were actually visiting my in-laws and my sister-in-law who also actually battles with bulimia she's in her 50s mm-hmm. um was actually you know that was a really great resource for us and for my daughter because she connects with her and her knowing that she's not alone and that her like favorite aunt also suffers that that was actually really great for her and we went out to ice cream and ruby actually had ice cream and i remember like choking back tears like oh my god like okay like just just knowing she's getting those calories um, cause she said, oh, I'm, I'm only going to do 300 to 400 calories a day. And you hear that and you're like, you're, you know, you're telling your kid, like, that's not sustainable. That's not healthy. And the eating disorder monster, it, it's absolutely wild to see your child not eating. And then when they finally do, it's like, oh my God, they're back. Like their personality comes back and, um, yeah. It, it was absolutely wild to see her eat that ice cream. And then like an hour later being like, oh my God, like she's, she's back, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But then there's what creeps in with them is the guilt of eating. When mm. you're, when you're first starting the refeeding process, it's, it's difficult because that eating disorder is going to get loud. It's going to get ugly and it is not your child speaking. It is the eating disorder trying to take over mm. control. A lot of it is about control. Um, yeah. And that was the biggest thing in the beginning. Um, you know, that eating disorder wants to break your kid down, break you down, but you have to stay strong and, um, you know, set those boundaries and, and stick to them. Um, a great, great resource I found is this book mm-hmm. called How to Nourish Your Child Through an Eating Disorder. Uh, it's by Casey okay. Crosby, C-R-O-S-B-I-E. Wonderful, wonderful okay. book. And um, it talks. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, and we'll put this um, in the show notes too, for anyone who's like, okay, thinking, yeah, oh my absolutely. God, wait a second, yeah, let yeah, me yeah. rewind. Well, you're going to give this information yeah. to me and uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how to nourish um, your, can you say book. it one more time though? Sure. Yep. How to nourish your child through an eating disorder. Okay. Uh, by Casey Crosby. You can find it on Amazon or any bookstore. Okay. But um, wonderful resource. It um, basically talks about the plate by plate method or plate by plate approach, which is um, what I believe a lot of um, centers use. Um, and you'll also uh, hear about family-based therapy or FBT, um, which has, I guess, been like the oh yeah, I the heard gold of that. standard of it. care for yeah for eating disorders. Um, I can only give you my experience of anorexia, but um, it does touch upon bulimia and ARFID and some of the other um, eating disorders. Um, but it's it's wonderful. Um, was super super helpful in going through the refeeding process and, you know, everything that's potentially could come up during that. And even after, you know, once you've gotten through what you feel like, okay, we're like at a manageable time. Like I'm, I'm in that moment where we we're we're getting to the restored weight goal. We're, um, we're eating a hundred percent at every meal. We're doing the three snacks a day, three meals a day. Cause that's what essentially you're doing, you're feeding your kid three meals, okay. three snacks a day, three, three meals a day, um, caloric beverages. And it's going to seem like a lot of food at first. And yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be challenging at first, but, um, but man, oh man, what a difference food is medicine. That's what you'll read a lot. Food is medicine. And it is a hundred percent true and not just eating yeah. disorders and, and a lot of other diseases and disorders. Right. I mean, our cells need that nutrition. That's, that's our energy. That's what fuels us Mm -hmm. to absolutely think, breathe, move, problem Mm -hmm. solve, just live. Yeah. Yep. So when you're not getting that nutrition, it really affects your overall health. It affects the way you think, the way you feel, the way you behave. Yep. It's like walking around with a hangry person. I mean, they are, they're literally starving themselves when you're dealing with someone with anorexia. Um, so, but I mean, the, the scary part is too, is she got to a level where, you know, her, it, it can affect your, your heart. And yeah, she luckily didn't get to a point where it was awful, but she did, um, I forget what it is. You, you're a nurse, so you know, but when they're sitting down, taking their blood pressure versus when they're standing up, I forget what it's called, mm. but they yeah. would take orthostatic hypotension and go to standing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So when she would stand up and they would take her blood pressure, I mean, it was like all out of whack. Um, mm. Her labs came back. Her um, something was off. Her glucose was off. Um, it was like 44. And that was after eating oh, breakfast. And that is the so nurse dangerous. practitioner explained it to me. Yeah. She explained it to me that basically when they're restricting themselves and starving themselves, the glycogen is like your storage, your energy storage. So they've depleted that. So now that she was eating again, it's almost like her metabolism kicked in and it was like burning that off and like quickly, quickly. So, um, luckily that leveled itself off pretty quickly, but that was kind of a weird, you know, thing. Yeah. Yeah, when, When your glucose gets really low or really high, that's, that's no bueno. So 
Yeah. So did they, were they having you, or are you still checking her blood sugars at home? Um, so they actually check it once a week at, um, the, the program. Um, okay. So what it looks like is, um, every Tuesday and Friday they do weigh-ins, they do vitals every Tuesday, they do labs. Um, what's great about this place, um, is they have family breakfasts. It's required that three days a week, um, you basically have breakfast with your child. Um, you try and eat the same thing that they're eating. Okay. And, um, it's, it's a lot. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot mm -hmm. on the parents. Um, because a lot of parents have to do, um, like a medical leave because yeah, you're having to drive your kid in, stay with them. There's a lot of educational um zoom calls that they require you attend there's a dietitian that you meet with there's the clinician that you meet with um with your child which is really great um so i mean it's it's almost like having a full-time job and wow it's i'm i'm in a position where i don't have a full-time job and you know i kind of have freedom to to work when i want um but I, I have a friend whose daughter's there. She's a nurse and she's like, I, I can't work. Like this just isn't sustainable. And so did she get FMLA? The... Yeah. Um, I think she tried. Yeah. Yeah. She tried to, but, um, but I mean that, that's a lot, that's a lot on the family. That's a lot on, you know, the parents. So um, it's hard, but hundred percent worth it in the end. Like just, just remember this is, not forever and right it's what's necessary right. to get your child or yourself into a healthy healthier position so um right i know and there's always going through like this. there's always jobs out there like seriously right i mean and yeah really they just need yeah. one parent there with them right i mean did anthony your husband did he have to be there for the breakfast as well or um just yeah, this is the other part. Um, you know, in a lot of the uh, parent classes, they talk about, they always use the airplane analogy, like put the mask, you, you have to put the mask on yourself before mm. you can help others, which is 100% yes. true. Oh, because if I you so don't take care of yourself, yes. and this, this is true in life in general, but in this scenario, it, it, I mean, it really, really is true. You need to do things for yourself. You need to ask for help. You need to rely on your partner, your family, your friends. Like you have to give yourself that break because if not, you, I mean, there were in the very beginning, I was having panic attacks. I was breaking down going, I, I can't do all of this. This is overwhelming. It is overwhelming. Um, but yeah. you will get into that groove. You'll get into that, you know, those those new habits and um but I had like the aha moment like oh my god I absolutely despise going to the grocery store now um, and <laughs> me my, too my, I'm right there with you I don't go it. I do Instacart it, honestly it used it used to be where I liked going to the grocery store it was my like alone time like I'd put my earbuds in and jam out and like like okay like it's my my time to get away and since this, I mean, I've been going all the time because she's still a picky eater, but we're going through yeah. strawberries and raspberries. Like 
multiple times through the week. I'm having to go and get them all the time. And it sounds silly, but I just had that aha moment. Like Anthony works from home. He's always looking for a reason to get out of the house. Um, Why not just make him the grocery list? But yeah, I don't know about everyone else, but you know, in the past I'd give my husband a list and he would come home and nothing was right. So I also had to just let go of that control. Let go of the control. Okay, if he gets, yeah. Yes, that's a huge thing. I do have control I issues. That. I had to let go of that control and just be like, you know what? It is what it is. He's going to get what he gets and we're just going to have to roll with it. Um, but I, Can we huge, just pause right there for a minute? Because I feel like this is such a huge like message. Let go yep. of the control. Seriously, like it Mm -hmm. is, it is going to help you out so much when you can just let go. You're going to live such a more peaceful life. I mean, just no, it doesn't have to be done a certain way. Your way. Yep. The thing I had to let go is that I was the one doing all the plating, thinking about all the meals, making sure I'm having enough on the plate um, enough variety. And I was really stressing over that. And Mm -hmm. I also had to let control and let Anthony pack some of the lunches sometimes. And what we started doing was he would, you know, plate everything or pack everything and leave it out. And I could kind of just go over and be like, yep, that looks good. Or, okay, let's add this, or let's do this for lunch instead. And that, it, it was still a huge relief, even just not having to like think about it so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and I, I can't speak for everyone's case, but I, I imagine this happens a lot is that one partner does more of the, the, the calls, the driving in the meeting with the therapist um, you know, the plating, it, it, I, I feel like it, it's easy for it to, to be put on one partner. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but (laughs) you have to, have to, have to rely on your other partner and, and, you know, speak up and say like, Hey, I'm, I'm drowning. I need help. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's huge. And a big yeah. part, he was always being like, what can I do? What can I do? What, what can I do? And but I was so overwhelmed. Wanting to help like, and not I knowing don't know. how. I don't, not knowing where. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you find yourself being the partner that's not doing all the work, um, not to say you're not doing any anything, but like if you feel like you want or feel like there's a way for you to help out more, just just do it. It's. It's mm-hmm. like when, you know, you lose a family member or a friend loses a family member and they always ask, you know, is there anything I can do? Just bring over that meal, you know, like how, how huge yeah. that is. Right. Um, just being like, nope, I'm, I'm taking over this. Like, it's, yeah, just do it's, something. Yeah. <laughs> something. Yep. And don't worry about, um, don't we, overthink it, or overanalyze it. Just, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like Anthony was, you know, how else can I help? And the, we live an hour, hour, 15 minutes away from the, um, from Walden. So, I mean, just mm-hmm. driving is 
so tiresome. So he, yeah. He so that's five that days a week. Monday, five days a week. Yeah. Monday through Wednesday, he drives her in and I pick her up. And then Thursday, Fridays, I drive her in. But, um, like I mentioned before, so you drop her off that her, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yep, you drop like her going off to and then come back home and then go to pick her up. Yeah. Yep. So that's um, two. Luckily, that's four hours. We, four hours in the car. Yeah. It's a lot. Wow. It's a lot. Okay. Um, luckily, we have, like I mentioned before, I have a friend, her daughter's in the program and they live um, kind of on the way. So there are some days that she'll drive in, pick up the girls and we meet halfway. So I'm only having to do a half oh. hour drive versus, you know doing the drive back and oh, forth. Oh, that's so nice. That's been really helpful. Um, my mom has also been really great about uh, picking her up in the afternoon. So that's that's been a big help as well. Um, oh, good. So anyone that's in that that scenario, I'd say definitely if you, if you have people that can help you out, please, please, please reach out to them. Um, yes. You know, I know it's hard. We, we all feel like, oh, we don't want to burden anybody else. But for right. me, but I, you I know what? With the script, and I'm like, no, I want my friends to like rely on me, and and I would love yes. to help out. So, I agree one thousand percent. Like, I feel like we all like to feel useful, and I think yeah. it's important to feel yeah. like you have a purpose. And mm-hmm. I like the idea of somebody like asking me specifically, like, how can I help? Like, just tell me how I can help. Yeah. Or even like, Hey, would it be helpful? Actually, Anthony approached it this way. He goes, would it be helpful if I drove Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? And I was like, yes, you know, something (laughs) I didn't have to think about because I was having to think about so freaking much, not to mention I have another kid. Um, that's the other hard part too, is like, it's not only a toll on the parents and the child going through the eating disorder. If you have other loved ones around that, you can't forget about them. I mean, this was really hard on my son with dinners and meals being so tense and being mm. so volatile sometimes that he would be like, okay, I'm going up to my room now. Like he didn't want anything to do with it. Um, yeah. He voiced that all the attention was on her and that mm. mom and dad don't love me or they don't care about me, which is hundred oh percent not the case. I mean, we just had to give more of our attention to her because she was going through or is going through a really hard, um, you know, moment right now, um, which, um, we can talk about this another time, but, um, you know, I, I think a lot of Ruby's eating disorder has come, stemmed from anxiety, which my son and my husband both suffer from. Um, mm. but my son, a few years ago, the focus was on him with his anxiety disorder. So, um, we kind of had to remind him like, Hey bud, like everyone goes through hard times and sometimes people need more help than the other one. So this is just the case with your sister right now. And, um, my, my daughter would actually voice to her therapist the same thing. They care more about Fletcher than they do about me and his anxiety and Mm. this and this and this. So, um, Mm. you know, with eating disorders, they, they reiterate to you that there's not one thing that causes it you know like you can sit there and say oh you know social media caused this or friends at school caused this or xyz but you you really can't pinpoint what what caused this it can be a combination of things um and i would say 
my son's anxiety and the fact that we had to put so much focus on him, I feel like that was really difficult for my daughter and per, perhaps was a contributing factor to her being where she is now. Um, I mean, okay. there were a lot of issues at school with girls being mean and, you know, people talking bad about their bodies or commenting on what people were eating. That was all very hard for her. A lot of friend issues. I mean, you know, man, mm. preteen girls are not nice. <laughs> it mm. is hard. I don't, I don't um, envy them. And I remember going through that myself. So, um, yeah. And it's a lot different now because they don't even get a break from it with the social media. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like but I, I before know we could just come Anthony home. Wanted and... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Anthony, you know, in the beginning, he was like, it's because of TikTok. It's because of social media. <laughs> and I, I was like, well, wait a minute. Like your sister has bulimia. And for her, yeah. it started in college. And I'm like, when she was in college, there was no like social media. There was no yeah. internet like we, like it is today. I'm like, yeah. eating disorders have been around for a long time and it's going mm -hmm. to happen regardless of, you know, X, Y, Z. So you can't put all the blame on social media. Like there's just so many other contributing factors. Mm -hmm. Right. And whenever you, you know. place the blame on something outside of you too, like you're let, like you're totally disempowering yourself because there's nothing yeah, you can do about that. It's not like, helpful. Yeah. No. It's, no. it's not helpful. I, I know by nature we want to put the blame on something, but it's really not helpful. The, you yeah. just got to move on and focus. Okay. This is the issue at hand. Yeah. And what can we do to resolve this? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Staying in that so. solution mindset rather than yep. like yep. what caused this and who who can we blame? Who's responsible? No, yep. not helpful. Yep, not helpful. So one hundred percent understandable, but just by human nature. Yeah, it's our nature. That, but, yeah, um, yeah. It's yeah. our nature to want to blame because that's it's how it's just been the messaging it's like what how we've been raised it's like our culture to want to mm -hmm. blame others for things but yeah it's just it's a lot of wasted yeah. energy mm -hmm. on something that doesn't um necessarily give you a solution yeah yeah for sure um, I do want to give others hope, uh, because we're at a place now, like I said before, we're almost fully weight restored. Um, you're going to have those little victories where, like I said, with the ice cream story, like, oh my God, they're eating ice cream or, oh my God, they finished that entire meal or that, that moment where your kid is like, I'm hungry. Like the hunger cues come back. Like those are amazing moments and um, you'll get there. Like the, the biggest thing is you have to stick to your guns. Um, the plate by plate method was really, really helpful. Um, again, the eating disorder is going to get loud. It's going to get ugly. It's going to fight you. It's going to say the most horrific things to you. Um, but 
you know, I remember one of the meals Ruby was like, I'm not eating that or I'm not finishing that. And I said, you know, life stops until that plate is clean. And Hmm. it may have taken an hour, but she eventually did it. Um, And, you know, it's, it gets easier and easier as they start to eat more. And, um, you know, that brain starts to work again, or, you know, all of their organs start to function properly again. And, and that eating disorder gets quieter and quieter. I remember in the beginning with refeeding, because she's so picky, it was hard to tell if, you know, her refusing to eat something, if it was a preference or if it was the eating Mm. disorder talking. Um, So that's been really interesting. You kind of just go back to, okay, what did they eat before the eating disorder? You know, what were some of their favorite foods? Some of their favorite foods might end up becoming a challenge food for them. Like with Ruby, we used to we used to just feed her pizza all the time because that was something she loved and was always a go-to. And you know what? That became the number one fear food for her. It's very common for them to have fear foods. Um, so eating pizza, nope. You know, like in her eating disorder brain, it was, that's going to make me fat. Or maybe it's because okay. it was something that was always her go-to that maybe it just just triggered something in her. But um, she's had pizza actually today. I've gave her pizza <laughs> so we'll I'll hear later how it went but um that's been going okay. really well it's it's really hard the first time they they go to that fear food and I'm not talking about foods that like maybe they didn't want to try before I'm talking about foods that like they used to eat and all of a sudden they don't want to eat it anymore and they're terrified of it um yeah it, we were discussing yeah. this before and I like we thought like maybe it's because they don't trust themselves around that food like they think that maybe they might lose control that like, or they're not gonna be like, able binge to binge on it yeah yeah yes. yeah yeah that that came up a lot in conversation she was like I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to stop myself if I eat this like yeah. I don't want to go overboard and and again you go back to that plate by plate it's like okay well this is what's on your plate and so you can't go overboard um yeah this is you know on what it normally looks like um yeah so I had made her like a mini pizza, which was basically equivalent of two slices of pizza, which I think is a normal, what would mm-hmm. be a normal amount for anyone. Um, but that, that was a bit challenging for her, but she, she got through it. So. Okay. Um, and yeah. I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about you and how you took care of your own emotional well-being while supporting Ruby through her eating disorder how you did it then and how you you continue to do it today. Um, I have an amazing group of friends. So one in particular that, you know, I'd cry to, I'd text, I'd meet up for um, like a, we we like our shakes in the morning. So we would meet up in the morning for that um, as much as we could. Uh, Going for walks is huge for me. I need to move. So just going out on walks as much as I could. Um, again, putting putting the grocery shopping on Anthony or the some mm-hmm. of the driving on Anthony that was that was huge. Um, so if you can spare just fifteen minutes for yourself, if it's meditating, meditating's been good too. Journaling, <laughs> all the things they tell you to do for your mental yeah. health. Um, you know, find one that that's works for you and and go with it. Um, 
there's a lot of good guided meditations out there that are helpful that are, you know, you can look for a 10 minute guided meditation, put your earbuds in, you know, go into a quiet room and, and just give that to yourself because you definitely need that. Um, just to mm-hmm. shut off. I, I remember crying in the kitchen going, I'm so effing sick of food. I'm sick of thinking about food. I'm sick of talking about food. I'm sick of the grocery store. I, I just, I hate food now. Like I don't want to deal with it. Um, allow yourself to have those moments too, where you break down, like it's inevitable, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you, you got to give yourself that grace and give yourself that space to, to lash out what you need to do. To feel (laughs) your feelings. (laughs) Feel it to heal it. You got to do it. Exactly. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and just acknowledge what's like real for you in the moment. Like this is your experience. Mm. yeah and I mean there are times where I'd cry and I'd say you know I I don't want a solution right now I just want to fucking scream I want to cry like just let me do this let me vent and you don't need to say anything you just need to hear me and give me a hug (laughs) oh yeah that's so important (laughs) I think yeah like there are so many times yeah so (laughs) yeah if you're a mom and somebody comes or yeah if you're going through this and or if you're on the other end of it, I should say, and you're a friend of yours is going through something like this and, you know, you want to help just maybe try and hold back that. And we all want to like fix things. I feel like that's like, yeah. Or our give our two reaction, yeah. but try and hold back. And maybe if anything, right. Maybe say like, do you, is this something where you want me to offer a solution to you want, some help yeah. or do you just want me to sit here and listen yep because you're I feel yeah. the exact same as you like sometimes when you're yeah when you're in it like that you just there are times when you just don't need advice you just need to you just need to vent you just need an ear yep yeah in an ear yeah just a shoulder to cry on and for me um that was even huge. Just being able to say that to Anthony, you know, like I don't need your advice. I just want to vent right now. Yeah. And he was respectful of that, you know, and was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and especially men too. I yeah, like they're even, the ones they want to jump in and fix it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Be the heroes. So you, the way you've taken care of yourself, my next question was, uh, what are some key lessons or coping strategies you've learned along the way that could benefit other moms dealing with similar, similar situations? Um, so key lessons, I'd say, um, get some resources, um, I I can't stress enough how helpful that book was to me. And even meeting Mm -hmm. with the dietitian for the very first time, I had mentioned that book and I mentioned that book on one of the group calls with the other parents. And um, I I know other parents have found that really helpful and useful, but just having a heads up on what, what to expect with this disorder. um, Okay. Get as much knowledge as you can, because it, Knowledge is power. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. St- st- and it's st- not meant to scare st- you. St- like your... this is. No, no. Just 
Yeah. Um, you know, we're all in this thing called life together. And um, mm-hmm. I am a firm believer in oversharing because, you know, when I started yes. opening up to other friends and being like, oh, you know, Ruby's going through this. I had another mom that was like, oh, my God, my my daughter, you know, went through this a couple of years ago. And I would have never known. Um, no. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. It gives other people the courage to then share with you their experience and you could just learn from each other. And And, yeah. And what may work for one kid may not work for the other, or maybe, you know, there's something you're trying and it's just not working. And maybe somebody else has tried something else that that could work for you. So I, I'm a firm believer in oversharing and, um, and I, I think it's great too, to kind of, um, teach other people about these things and mm-hmm. like we're doing now like you know warning signs or just your experience to so somebody else can potentially avoid this or catch it early to to get them yeah help and even just to know that you're not alone like there's nothing you're wrong not with alone. you there oh, there is nothing yeah. wrong with your child there's nothing wrong Correct. like nothing has gone wrong yeah. here and like yeah. that, it's um, just something that happens. Things, yeah. One of the great things about um, the family-based therapy is there is such an emphasis on the parent education part. And, you know, I've been on these Zoom calls and it's great to hear other parents' situations and what their kids are going through and what's worked for them, what's not worked for them. Um, It's been a great, that's been a really great resource. So I'd say, you know, join um, some online groups if you're having issues. And, um, uh, we, I, as I mentioned before, we are required to do three family breakfasts a week and you get to know a lot of these parents and even a lot of the other kids in the program. And, you know, you're, you're in this together and it's almost like you've become a family. Like, (laughs) so Ruby's actually made some really good friendships throughout this process, which has been wonderful because she can connect with them on a level that her friends at school or, uh, you know, they, they don't necessarily understand. So. Yeah. And isn't that funny? Like that's the beauty part in this. Like there's always in any hardship, hardship, I feel like that we face, sometimes it's difficult Mm -hmm. to see when you're in it. But yeah, when you're on sure. the other side of it, it can suddenly become more clear. Like they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. But like you can see, mm-hmm. there was some good that came out of it. Like look at these relationships that you guys are building, and all that you're learning, mm-hmm. and the people that you'll yeah. be able to help because Ruby went through this, and mm-hmm. how this is going to yep. shape her personality and her skills for the future. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So that's beautiful, I think. But wow, this went so long. And I didn't even get to ask you all the questions that I've written down. But I think that this was really great. Um, I love that you shared uh, how, how you took care of yourself. You said you reached out to friends Um, So Mm -hmm. just connecting with people can really help moving, taking walks, uh, delegating responsibilities, asking for help, meditating, journaling, 
and getting resourceful. Like we have so many resourceful, uh, resourceful. We have so many resources available to us now. Like really all you have to do is just, you can Google anything nowadays. Um, But yeah, like reaching out to your pediatrician, finding a dietitian, um, just talking about it to Mm -hmm. other people. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Right. Um, and then you had mentioned to, uh, joining some online groups and how would people, like, are there any that you recommend? Like, is like Facebook groups? So yeah, my, the, I, I went on Facebook and joined a group, which some of it can be very overwhelming and terrifying. Um, okay. But, but, but I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's, it is a terrifying disorder. Um, yeah, I know you mentioned in the beginning that it is, it can be deadly. And I actually, one of the scariest things in the beginning of this was I read that it is the number one, um, um, or it is the most fatal of mental disorders, eating yeah. disorders. Yeah. You know, people, I don't know. I would have, I would not have thought that. Yeah. You know, but. But yeah, it's the number one most fatal um, for mental disorders. But um, but not to scare anybody. But yeah, not to scare anybody. No, but there there is hope. And I mean, I read this one woman's story where her daughter had basically she was in the hospital and she'd basically given up and said, "Nope, like I'm 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 going." And the family had kind of said, "Okay, they've resolved to okay, my my daughter is going to to pass away." And she literally was like probably hours away. And then all of a sudden had this like burst of like, I want to live and she's healthy and thriving Mm -hmm. um, to this day. And I mean, you hear those stories and you're it's, it just gives you hope and, and know that. Yeah. And that's, you're not alone. And yeah. Yep. That's what you got to hang on to. Yeah. (laughs) Hope. Yeah. Keep the faith and just, Use your resources, ask for help, make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Is there anything else, Lindsay, that yep. you would um, add? Like what's like the most important thing you would want another mom going through your situation? Um, what would you, what's the most important thing you'd want them to take away from this conversation today? Um you are not alone. You are not a bad parent. Mm. You did not do this to your kid. Um, there is help out there. <laughs> um, it will make you a stronger person. Like I right now feel so confident in how I'm caring for my child. Um, I'm, I'm even more confident in my child now that, you know, um, you'll get there. You will get there. It's, it's a long, hard road, but you can do it. You are, you are stronger than the eating disorder. Don't let it fool Mm -hmm. you. You are stronger than the eating disorder. Um, yeah, but you're not alone and you did not do this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Lindsay. This has been awesome. I think this is going to be really helpful to other moms out there and just anyone going through an eating disorder. Um, and yeah, I thank you so much for being here today and just being so of course, open thanks and for having vulnerable. Me. Yeah. Yes. And then can yeah. you please uh, share how others can 
connect with you and also um, the name of your business and um, your if you have a website or an Instagram handle, how can people connect um, with you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm an open book. So if anyone ever has any questions about um, eating disorders, their kid, I mean, I'm not an expert, but obviously I've, I'm going through it. So <laughs> I have some, yeah. some you know, experience with this, but um, you can always find me on Facebook. I'm Lindsay Lang. It's L-Y-N-D-S-A-Y, um, Lang, L-A-N-G. Um, my Instagram is actually my painting, my mural um, page and it's st like saint dot paint p a i n t underscore and that's my Instagram handle so you can always reach out to me there too so yeah yes and you have to check out her artwork you guys she's so <laughs> talented thank you go yes please go check her out all right Lindsay well thank this you. has been thank great you. and I thank you again and. I will talk to you soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. All right. And Thank we'll you. see you next week. Same time, same All place. Right. Bye-bye. What I forgot to say at the end of this interview to Lindsay was that she is an amazing mom, and she is doing a great job. Even the fact that her daughter, Ruby, is so open and willing to express herself speaks volumes to how she is raising her kids. The fact that Ruby feels comfortable enough sharing her feelings and speaking about what is going on for her shows that this is what is being modeled to her in the home. As Lindsay stated, she is an open book. She expresses her feelings and doesn't suffer in silence. And this is, I think, what made Ruby feel confident and comfortable enough to share what she was suffering with. And this allowed her to get help much sooner than she would have had she kept it to herself. And it helped to ensure a better outcome. So quick recap, please don't blame yourself, mama. You are doing your best. I know you are. That emotion of guilt can be so debilitating. It will have you showing up in a way that is not your best self pushing you farther and farther away from your desired outcome, which is, I'm guessing, to be able to support your child in the best way possible. You did nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong with your child. You might argue that, of course, there is. He or she has an eating disorder. How can you say there's nothing wrong? But the truth of the matter is, he or she is completely whole as she is. Hear me out. She is completely whole as she is. It was always meant to be this way. This is a trial that he or she is meant to learn and grow from. Now that doesn't mean sit back and do nothing. No. But my guess is you're going to show up more in a way that you can be proud of when you can shift your belief from there is something wrong with my child which would put you in a state of, my guess would be worry and anxiety, and see if you can shift the belief to, this is a trial she was always meant to go through, and I am going to be here for her in whatever capacity she needs me to be to help and support her, and we're going to figure this out together. But there is nothing wrong with her, and I see her as a complete human being that she is. 
Now that's going to have you feeling more empowered and hopeful would be my guess. Remember what Lindsay said, you are never alone. Ask for help and take the help when offered to you. Don't ever feel like you are burdening someone. Think of it this way. By not taking someone up on their offer to help, you could be robbing them of the opportunity to feel purposeful. It's an inherent human need to want to contribute and have a purpose in life. Use your resources. Go to your pediatrician. Listen to your gut. Seek help from other providers if and when necessary. Lindsay said the dietitians were an excellent resource for her. Look for support groups and read books like the one Lindsay suggested, How to Nourish Your Child Through an Eating Disorder by Casey Crosby. And don't forget to take care of yourself too, mama, please. I know it's cliche, but there's a reason why they say put your oxygen mask on first before helping others with theirs. The only way you can show up as the fullest version of yourself is if you make sure your needs are being met. You want to be a better mom? It starts with you. Make sure to plan some alone time in your day to do something that fills you up with energy rather than drains you of it. Lindsay gave some great examples. She said she connects with her friends, she goes for walks, she meditates and journals. You deserve to be taken care of, mama. And who better to take care of you well than you? And if you can't believe that, then open your eyes and ears to this truth. The way you can help others to the very best of your ability is if your needs are being met. Refer to the show notes for any of the resources that Lindsay shared with us today. And if you found this show to be helpful, can I ask you a favor? Can you leave me a five-star rating and review? This helps more people find the show and allows me to reach and help more moms like you. And if you know anyone who is going through a similar situation and could use some support, please share this episode with them. I hope you can feel all of the love and gratitude that I am sending you, friends. Thank you so, so much for tuning in today. I can't wait to chat with you next week, same time, same place. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week with your family. Life coaching is all about empowering yourself, leveling up, and taking decisive action. It's about learning how to live a more conscious, intentional life, one with passion and purpose. Being reminded that you are in the driver's seat of this thing called life. Yes, there are things that will happen that are out of your control, but allow me to remind you of the things that are in your control so you can find your way to peace through any storm. Have you ever felt that inner nudge, that restless feeling deep within, like there's more for you out there? I want you to know that it's your soul speaking to you, and I'm here to help you tune in and listen. I believe those whispers are your dreams yearning to come to life. Let's work together to uncover that inner voice, decipher its message, and turn your dreams into reality. Ready to take that first step? Sign up for a free 30-minute coaching call with me. Let's embark on this transformative journey together. Your dreams are waiting, and I'm here to help you bring them to fruition. Click the link below or simply head to tanyavalentinecoaching.com. That's T-A-N-Y-A-V-A-L-E-N-T-I-N-E coaching.com and click work with me to sign up for your free 30-minute mini session today.